0: Full send with the driver? Check. Piercing iron through the wind? Check. Low checker, high spinner, flop to a tight pin? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all. The all-new TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern, engineered for more distance, more control around the green, and better stability in the wind, it's the hottest tour ball in golf. So no matter what shot you face, there's one ball that's better for all. The TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade.
2: Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash growth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to, And this is really because of the great guests who I have had the honor of speaking with over the years. These are folks who have expertise in a particular area of business, and they join me to have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. You can take whatever you need. You can leave the rest if you would like. Uh, It is always here for you to come back and listen again or pick up on something that maybe you didn't listen to the first time, because at that point it wasn't relevant. But this information is always here for you so that you can do better things in your business. Today is no exception. Today my guest is Bill Gallagher. Bill is an international business coach with over 30 years of entrepreneurial and executive experience. Bill has coached and trained others for the last 15 years and led four companies of his own. He's also... He was also a partner and executive in two others. Today, he coaches teams across over 25 cities in 11 countries and hosts the renowned Scaling Up Business podcast. He has created and run companies and divisions from the start up to over $500 million. Bill learned the Rockefeller habits and scaling up 20 years ago as a CEO and has used them to scale. Thanks so much for joining me today, Bell. Bill.
0: Thanks for having me on.
2: I am thrilled to have you here. We're going to be talking today about mistakes that CEOs make, and I want to dive right into that subject and ask you, what would you say are the biggest mistakes that CEOs make?
0: Well, uh, so we've distilled down seven biggest common recurring mistakes uh, by surveying and talking with the – couple hundred coaches that we have around the world working with thousands of companies over years now, uh, both in our private client coaching, as well as our workshops and summits and that kind of thing. We see the same things again and again When the coaches talk. We're like, oh yeah, that one did this, that one did that. Uh, So we see a lot of the same things again and again. And I suppose you could boil it down to um, one big idea first. And that is that you deserve the company you have right now, or you have the company you deserve. So there, all of the mistakes that we see in these top mistakes have given you what you have today. And if you wanna level up your company, which is what scaling up is all about, the tools and practices that help companies to scale successfully, you also have to level up yourself. Uh, so that's, the, that's kind of the overarching thing. But the, the top seven ones are things like failure to look in the mirror, reluctance to make important changes, you've got the wrong people still hanging around, you're a terrible delegator, you're bad at empowering people, uh, you don't hold people accountable, um, you're unfocused and easily distracted, uh, you're focused too much on operational and tactical things, and you don't work on your culture enough. So those like a rattling off of the the top seven.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> those are so great. When you were saying, I'm <laughs> thinking, yeah, 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 <laughs> every single one of them. I, yeah. It makes so much sense to me. Okay, so why do they? Why do we? I, I, you know, I will include myself in this, even though I'm a, a one man band why do we make these mistakes like is is there something about being a ceo or is there something about being at that level of leadership that gets in our way what's going on here
0: right so there's maybe like a character defect or a flaw or affliction that has us be ceos (laughs) and leaders (laughs) but i think (laughs) the patterns are more about being human so Right starting as a child, we develop survival things. We learn that we're good at this and not so good at that. And so we do more of what we're good at. We try to hide and cover up the things that we're not so good at. And, uh, and we get by in life. And we, we start to figure out our place and what we hunger for and what we want. But all of the kinds of ways that we interact with other human beings, that we deal with problems, all of that are things, are patterns that repeat and build over time. The benefit of looking at your seven mistakes is that you by by increasing the self awareness there we have an opportunity to develop beyond them and not to simply be stuck in that that uh, repeat cycle right
2: right 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 and a, and a lot of them sound like they are leadership problems, like when you were saying, you know, the wrong people are still there. They're bad delegators. They don't know how to empower people. Right. Right. But That feels to me like the way that they interact with people is um, missing something or is misguided or something.
0: Right. So the, the number one is overarching and, and, and for sure, like the umbrella one, it's a failure to look in the mirror. So yeah, You're like, look, I am richer than all my friends. I've grown it to this point. I've survived all this crap. And who the hell are you to tell me? Um, And that's a lack of self-awareness an ego unchecked. Uh, You know, a little bit of ego is great. Uh, Too much uh, unrestrained creates a problem. Um, Pretending to listen, pretending it's self-development, doing as you please, all of these things can get us in trouble or, or just leave us with kind of a, a plateaued place. Like we get to this place and we, we have trouble advancing beyond it. So the first thing is really taking a hard look in the mirror, which is really goes to the whole uh, framework. But I was working with um, uh head of a company, several hundred million dollars, international presence, uh, accomplished, prestigious, doing good things in the world. Their product is beneficial. And, uh, and the desire of the CEO was really to grow and, and create a company with legacy to pass on to the next generation. He didn't really want to exit, but wanted to create um, some legacy and continuity. Well, uh, the problem was, as we went to implement the framework, he kept undoing things. He couldn't control himself, couldn't cut his people loose. And so he, he would undo the things and he would poo-poo them and be like, well, but you read the book before you hired us as a coach, right? (laughs) This is what we're doing. We're (laughs) doing this. He's like, Oh yeah, that's fine for them, but not for me. And, and I see lots of different versions of that. Um, And another one um, CEO of a, a, another fairly large firm uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars again, and they had grown rapidly and now we're plateauing. We have the CEO who'd fire off emails to people at three in the morning saying, Hey, I'd like to talk about this in the morning meeting. So now an executive wakes up at six or whenever they wake up in the morning and the first thing, and they reach for their iPhone and they, or whatever it is. Right. And they look at it and they're like, crap, now I've got to get something to ready by 9am. And it's just on the sort of the, the delusional obsessions of a a 3am CEO and, and that doesn't lead to anything either. Like trying to burn it at all hours and stressing your people out with heroics and crazy emergencies. It's more of the same.
2: Yeah, this, this is so, so. Um, ah, gosh, how do I want to ask this question? I'm, i just keep having like flashbacks of, of CEOs. Yeah. <laughs> I worked for in the past and, um, is there? So, are you saying that they have to develop self-awareness in order to be able to identify their role in what's going on and be, and in order to be able to change it and fix it?
0: For sure. So with our private client coaching work, what we we're working on implementing the Rockefeller habits, the scaling up framework in a company, right. But, and we're leading the quarterly planning, the annual offsites for strategy work, all those kinds of things. Um, So a lot of that's focused on the application of tools and frameworks for growth. The, the, where the coaching comes in and where it benefits just versus having say like video guides or whatever is you want to have somebody who's who's helping to hold the mirror up to you to say, look, stop it. Stop sleeping in your office and working 24 hours a day. That doesn't actually help you or the team. It, I mean, if your building's on fire, if, if you're in a particular crisis, but if that's your regular way of operating, it's not going to work. So uh, the coach provides the training and the stuff in general And then the reflection. So if you don't have a coach, fine, not everybody's going to have a coach. We're not going to be able to work with everybody. It's not going to be a fit. But get somebody who will tell you what you're doing that's crazy that's not your spouse or your mom, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, definitely our spouses and our moms uh, know what's wrong with us. And if we would just do that, like it – and yet it doesn't actually – make any difference, right? Your mom and your spouse have been telling you forever what to do to fix yourself. but And it doesn't make a difference until you see it for yourself. So you want to find the way. Somebody that you're going to listen to or something that reveals it. So it could be a peer group. It could be a, a close friend, a confidant. It could be a mentor. Get somebody who will help you to see your blind spots.
2: Got it. I just think that is so incredibly valuable Um, for people, because it's really hard to do. I mean, really hard to do, because they're they're blind spots, right? For some reason, we like to point outwardly toward a cause of a problem instead of first looking in and going, okay, wait, can I possibly be doing something here? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to start with the
0: person in the mirror, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. They could be like, yeah. Uh, an assessment interview. We'll have leaders go and uh, interview their peers, team members, subordinates, um, that kind of thing, about who they are and try to see it from the eyes of the others and really give others permission to give you honest feedback. So that's one of the first things. We'll also have people do formal kinds of things like 360 reviews or uh, or go yeah. to their, if they are part of a peer group, like a forum or mastermind, they could go to that group. And then just the mantra of, it's all your fault. If you just remember that, <laughs> that is both depressing and liberating, right?
2: Uh, yeah, right. It's, it's right. liberating
0: and empowering because you can do something about you more easily than anyone else. Uh, it's depressing, of course, because you don't, you can't yeah. somebody else. <laughs>
2: Right. Exactly. You you have to, you have to own it. Um, okay. So, uh, gosh, see, I'm, I'm sort of struggling with how I want to ask the question because I don't want it to be really too general, but, um, is it, is it, is it hard for The employees or let's let's say just the leadership team to find a way to um, sort of clue in the CEO that maybe not necessarily saying hey listen you're the problem but there might be a different way to get the result that they're looking for is that hard for them to do in this sort of situation
0: well, unless the ultimate leader gives them permission to do it, asks for it, looks for it, th- there's gonna yeah. be no no room to do it, right? So when mm. when I start to work with a CEO and a leadership team, I, I one of the things I first do early on um, is have them go interview the people around them. So you have to ask for it. If you're not asking for it, and if your CEO is not seeking some feedback, you're not going to be able to say, look, you're, you're a jerk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or you're shooting yourself in the foot. You like, they don't want to hear that. So they have to look for it. And if you're that person um, I mean, at best you could do is model it, right? Sometimes we got to work on ourselves and all the people around us change. So if let's Mm -hmm. say that you're a C-suite leader or even a leader of a group or division or something like that, but you're, not the ultimate leader if you model something and it's effective then that might actually create an idea for somebody else right i've done things to mm. develop myself and then had my family members be like oh wow i want a piece of that right like
2: yeah I want to repeat that. Yeah. so
0: being an example yeah. of something is always a good idea
2: well that that is for sure um are there other examples of these mistakes and, and the impact that they have that would help the listeners uh, see themselves? Yeah.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about, let's take the next two um, and, and uh, Bridgem tell a little bit of story around them. So I was working with a CEO of a company that really wanted to grow and they'd grown before and then they'd flattened out and, I really see people in two categories most of the time that reach out to us. They either were growing and then get flat. And so they want to grow again, or they are growing like crazy and they're trying to deal with the growth, right? They're, they're Mm -hmm. drowning, they're treading water, they're flailing around their time, their family is suffering. So it's either they want to grow or they want to deal with growth. Those are the two problems that, that we help solve. Uh, But in the course of that, right, in your own efforts to do that, there are probably things that occur to you like it's obvious in the process you need to make some changes. So you see it, it's clear, and yet you don't act. And one of the key things there, uh, going to number three, is it's about people. So the uh, we see something going on. So I've got a CEO, it's clear that they're undercutting the they're they're underpricing their goods and services and they realize they need to raise prices but they delay they uh, do studies they hire consultants they're slow to implement they have internal uh, arguments about aspects of it uh so it becomes clear and and now we need to be bold and take action uh, and uh, in in this case um it did turn around for the company i'm thinking of uh because they finally did push it but god it, we could have gotten the the profitability and the cash up faster had the action come sooner another one similar um they wanted to grow they'd been flat um the cash was okay it was always their their models a little challenged on the cash side um but but the the first concern was the growth and but their head of sales was never going to sell he was completely comfortable he wanted to talk about his past and his career and all the amazing things he'd done but they were friends so this ceo took over a year to let go a person that was abundantly clear needed to go so if you're not letting go the bottom quarter or at least a few percent of your people on a regular basis and developing and moving towards an A player team then you're going to have a problem so the wrong people hanging around and there are lots of reasons that we do that uh we could have like um we could have somebody who's producing great numbers but is kind of toxic as a mismatch to the environment. We can see they're creating problems along the way. Or we could have somebody who's completely comfortable who no longer is performing. Um, So we've got to figure out how to get rid of the people who don't fit the company. We had another one, um, a CEO with a, actually I see this again and again. Um, They recruited somebody with a terrific resume, outstanding proven results across years in um a variety of related companies in, in similar industry uh, and then the person was failing in their role in this earlier stage company well they just were not a, a fit to that kind of company at that stage and it was really clear like within a few months um a year later the person is still there because <sighs> They, they were like, well, we've got so much invested and they're maybe going to turn it around. And I mean, I, we see it yeah. in, in operational roles and sales roles again and again, um, this same kind of thing. So it could be your friends with them, <laughs> yeah, which is really hard, or you just don't like to fire people or, yeah. you know, any number of things like that. But the mantra is higher, slow, fire fast. Yeah. Um, but there's very few that do that. Now, even if you fire fast, you want to do it carefully, thoughtfully, responsibly, um, legally, but because uh, doing other kinds of things can put your company at risk. Right. But when you know yeah. somebody's wrong, it's time to go. And the, right. when, by the converse, when I think about it, so I had a company uh, that we'd come in, there was an acquisition, there were some new management hires within, uh, three months, it was pretty clear that those people had their own ideas about everything. They weren't going to play um, nicely mm. with the other kids. They, and the, although they were like, oh, I know a better way, they weren't actually winning or, or using the things that they said. So it w- became clear. Uh, at about four months in, the company, the board, and the ownership made a decision to cut those folks. And almost immediately, we saw an uptick in the results. The team started working together better. Um, That company did a 4X growth in a couple of years. Um, So making the time and again, we see the companies that make clear, bold, thoughtful changes of people uh, do a lot better.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad that you talked about that because I think what what leaders either fail to see or – don't pay attention to or, or forget or whatever it is, is that everyone there knows what's going on. Like everyone in the company knows who shouldn't be there. And the longer you keep someone who shouldn't be there, the worse the morale gets for yep, everybody.
0: Yep, yep, and, yep. Why and, do they keep right? this so jerk around, right?
2: Right, exactly. <laughs> Being paid the same I am, he's doing half the or work, more. he's, he's yeah. toxic. Yeah. Yeah, just, it, it, it is... And, and and what? Is it because they don't like confrontation? Is it because they think they can't live without the person? Like they won't be able to replace them?
0: Right. Well, there's a book on this, No A-Holes Rule, but you, you don't really need to read the book. You get the idea. Don't have, <laughs> like, get rid of people. Here's the thing. I think that the vast majority, nearly every human being on the face of the earth, could be an A player somewhere. That A players are situational, so um, if if you do share a similar belief, then you're not only doing your company a disservice, you're doing them a disservice. And I, look, right. I've made all of these mistakes myself. But the longer I hang on to someone in a place and in a role where they are never going to win, and I know in my heart there's no way for me to get them winning, uh, and I don't know what to do, it's not the right thing, I can't do it, they can't do it, it's time to, to move on. And when you cut them free now, they have an option and ability to go find a place that's better suited. They may or may not do that. And the transition may be difficult, right? Um, Transitioning out of a job or that kind of thing is a difficult thing. But this alone can get things working better, right? Just get rid of the people who don't belong there and and trust that there is a way to deal with it so just do it thoughtfully and carefully and then and then move on and sometimes you might need to outsource a role or bring in a temp or do something yeah. like that but sometimes the creative things will just make a profound difference very very quickly and you just have to hold it and encourage that person to go find a place where they can win where they can thrive right and right. and then of course it's up to them they're adults that they're they're ready to do that thing but don't keep people around because um you don't have the the stones to get the job done because you're uh uncomfortable with confronting the thing or whatever it's going to do everyone better in in the process and certainly don't do it out of fear of 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 the implications i can't tell you how many times i wish that i had made that sooner
2: yeah (laughs) yeah Me too. Uh, Okay, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then uh, continue the conversation. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on Audible.com are Do Business Better by Damian Mason and Breathe to Succeed by Sandy Abrams. So visit Audibletrial.com/slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Bill Gallagher about the mistakes CEOs make. So, I wanted to circle back and ask you a question about uh, changes that happen too slowly. And I'm curious about what causes that. Is it that they're afraid to make a change because they're afraid they're, it, it's going to be wrong? Or can they just not stop and really just take a moment to make a decision? because you would think leaders are decisive.
0: Yeah, and, and sometimes right and sometimes wrong, but there, there's a contribution of being decisive in itself. By the way, uh, our book Scaling Up is on Audible as well, so. Uh, oh, excellent, <laughs>
2: wonderful, thank you.
0: Um, so uh, in the meeting rhythms that we recommend and using the process in the book, it becomes very clear um the the decisive uh like what the decision ought to be right um and and you can have confidence in it when it's held by the group then the thing to do is to empower yourself and the group to actually make the decision uh, and i think it's it's less about uh making the decision than it is taking action i think very many times in our uh, coaching sessions in our sites, it's like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then we don't do it. So we make a decision in a moment, but then mm. we, we waver on it later. And you would think that the decision um, is the final end, but we're human beings. And then uh, right after we make that decision, then we have a fear a thought or yeah, but how about what if, and, and then we, we back down from that thing and, and we don't take the action. Right. So I think that's definitely an issue. And then that it it does dovetail then into the next one. And we get distracted by stuff, especially our founding CEO types, um, the entrepreneurial types who have a little visionary piece. We are by nature. Um, and I like, I'm, I'm speaking about myself in the group, unfocused and easily distracted. So, you yeah. know, sometimes I just pick up my phone to check one little thing, and then I looked at four other things on my way to checking that, and I've completely forgotten what it is, and it's 20 minutes later.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like an occupational hazard.
0: Right, so there is yeah. something to that, if especially if you're on that, like, visionary leadership side, where you're creative and strategic and new ideas present themselves. And then you're like, well, where does this one go? And should I chase this one down? And what was I working on? Uh, yeah. So that, that can also get in the way of, of that focus. And, but if you use the good execution habits, so execution habits are setting priorities as a team, right, Um, having great metrics and dashboards to keep progress visible, and then having the right kind of meeting rhythms to go back and look at. So are your meeting rhythms predictable, um, consistent, do they come first, or are they always whenever you can fit them in, and so therefore they don't really happen with any regularity. But if you have those kinds of, of habits, then it's easy to look back on and see, okay, this needs to be addressed, and if you use a team well, and bring some self awareness to that. Going back to number one, then you can actually take the action and follow through on the things that you uh, ostensibly decided earlier on.
2: Okay. So, is how do we figure out what part of the business to focus on next?
0: Yeah. So um, the focus uh, for the business, I think really that that uh, is the combination of the strategic and the execution side. So if you are clear about sort of the enduring core things in the world of strategy for us, so that would typically be things like what's the purpose of the company, the why statement, right? So ours is uh, we help leaders build a better world. Um, and, and then, you know, your values. So five values that define how you operate, not how you wish you'd operate. They're not aspirational. They are, in fact, uh, description of your best traits in practice, not like, not your, your weaknesses and not the things that you are maybe, uh, never fail to do, but the way that you operate on a regular basis when you're doing good work. So, In our case, it's like uh, courageous authenticity and think and ask why, um, and never finished, um, and laughter, especially at ourselves. These are the kinds of things that define how we should approach, creating is living, um, how we should approach the problems that we address. That's the why and the how, and then what. So we're out to impact um, 5 million business leaders before I retire. And it was very personal because it's a small company. It's coaching oriented and so on. But I just picked a time horizon out there. And I said, that's the mountain we're going to conquer. And uh, I don't know how to get there. But it's interesting, big enough. It's not a pipe dream um, to use that uh, idea that something that's absurd. But it's that balance. So now we know some of these things. Then what do I pick at a three or five year time frame? What do I pick a year out? It's a lot easier to decide. Right. So once a year, once a year, we reset kind of that three year uh, strategic milestones that we want to hit. What do we want to accomplish three years out? And then we create goals for one year from now that are way tangible and achievable and practical and all that kind of thing. Very, very clear at the one year time horizon. And that we do at about a one year uh, cadence. Then every quarter we just say, okay, what's next for the next 90 days that we're going to focus on? Uh, And that is kind of the whole meeting rhythm from the Rockefeller habits and scaling up. Um, How do we, how do we figure out what to do next? And, and then we want to remember it, keep it alive by looking at it every week or so um, and talk, having daily huddles and then keeping those plans visible in our dashboards. So the plans and the, the priorities from the plans and the metrics are visible on some kind of, and it could be as simple as a whiteboard in a work area or it could be a more complicated uh, and sophisticated system like some of our online software tools that, that track progress on things.
2: There were a couple of things in there that, that I really, really um, love that, that really hit me. One of them is that you, it sounds like you uh, put a stake in the ground far out and then you bring it back yeah. To
0: yep. Start shorter with the end periods in line, of right? time.
2: Yep. Yeah, right. And then say, okay, but right now I just need to focus on this because this will take me to the next thing, which will take me to the next thing and so on and so on and so on so that I can get there. And you don't simply rely on that, that you keep track of it and talk about it and you keep some sort of measure of it visible. I love that visible. Yeah. Um it, it, because it, it then it's it's real all the time.
0: Yeah. So this idea with beginning with the end in mind is first made popular. I'm sure it predates quite a bit, is Stephen Covey, right? Yeah.
2: Um yeah.
0: and and the habits. But um but we're really it probably is much, much older than that. But this idea of if look, I want to impact five million people before I retire. Um and how do I do that is not exactly clear to me yet. So I cannot possibly um, just describe the next step. It's not a linear kind of an exploration. So I, I put yeah. the stick in the ground. In my case, I did it 30 years out. We recommend doing 10 years. Um, uh, and then you could also do a 20 year kind of thing, but 10 years is really ideal. Five starts to get way too feasible and practical. People limit what they wish for in that time frame, but uh, 10 years mm-hmm. or beyond. So my, my goal was, for five was a 30-year kind of a goal. It's now becoming clear that I can hit that sooner through leveraging the media and things like that. But I like I didn't know how to do that initially. I work with yeah. about 10 companies a year. Um, and there's 10 leaders per company. So that's like 100. And I work with companies for a couple years. So if I turn them over in that time, I'm only reaching uh, a few, right, Um, each year. And then of course I do workshops and public things and you could count those, but it's not until I added in the media piece that I started to impact more people and accelerate that. Now that 30 year vision starts to get clear and become more feasible. But when I first said it, it was like, Holy crap.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So we begin with the end of mind and then we work backwards through things, a, a rhythm of meetings that connects us all the way back through uh, daily actions. And and we start to see the connection between things and it becomes very clear what to do. And as a team, if you do that, then not only are you achieving what you want as the ultimate leader or owner of the business, but you're figuring out how to do it in a way that you couldn't do all on your own. So the really big, interesting things in life, we can't do on our own, right? We, we need to engage yeah. teams in order to grow our businesses and to accomplish those things that the ego hungers for.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is, this is terrific. One of the things that came into my mind as you were talking about that is we don't know what we don't know and we don't know what changes are going to happen that are going to impact our journey, yep. you know, our path toward, yep. right? Like, as you said, yep. you, the media wasn't a, an opportunity necessarily when you started but then when you look at it and you go okay this is what I want to do this is how it's going what other avenues do I have if you're it sounds to me like this process that you have um, really allows people to think in possibilities not in finite terms
0: yeah So we begin with these ideas, these possibilities, and then we come back. You know, in hindsight, a lot of these things seem really obvious. Oh, of course you should do that. But at the time and from the place, they don't seem that obvious. I I was not at all thinking about or working on stuff. And then one of my uh, uh, forum mates, so forums are, are peer groups, YPO, EO, have them vistage has another group of thing like that masterminds or so we we have a group like that one of my uh said to me dude you should have a podcast you have a background yeah. in radio what the hell uh now this is a guy who had uh, a big po- so i started doing a podcast then i started to think oh maybe i should have a tv show now i have a group that were brainstorming approaches to a tv show um like why not Right. Like, why not? Right. Why not? Why shouldn't we do that? But I wasn't thinking of that until I picked a number that was big enough that was a little both frightening and exciting to say, right, and worth giving my life to. Yeah.
2: So if I say
0: that this is what I want to accomplish before I retire, I've essentially dedicated the rest of my working life to something, and that becomes interesting, right? I can say it. I'm like, I don't know how to do it, but it's interesting to me. That's what I'm working on. (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> and somehow I'm going to figure it out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. And I may fail. I may fail in this. I probably won't, but I but I could fail in this and it would be worth working at even if I failed.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, so talk to me about the role that um motivation, fear, self-doubt, what what role do they play in <laughs> everything
0: yeah because we're human beings yeah hardest part of the business human
2: yeah no kidding
0: so that goes back to actually to number one right failure to look in the mirror so we are run by fears and doubts and things like that all the time and um and then we Uh, if we're not thoughtful, reflective, uh, and looking for our own blind spots, we end up doing kind of the same thing all the time. Then there's no growth and the company stays kind of plateaued and you end up being the lid on things, right? It starts to bubble up and then you crush it back down again. You pull it back down to the level you're comfortable with. But if you evolve your approach, your leadership and all of that in the process, then and you keep growing yourself at the same time then there is an opportunity to grow now sometimes look we need to change our role like if you're honest sometimes you're like okay i invented this process this technology this whatever and i really should be in the r&d end of things i shouldn't be the the operating manager of the company right i should have a coo mm-hmm. a president or something i'm maybe i should even give in away the CEO role. And I should just be the mad scientist, right? Who's off creating the next thing. Uh, You got to figure out what, who you are, what makes you happy and what your role is. And then you got to keep working on stuff. So I said, one of our values is never finished. And I have a visual for that This guy Jack LaLanne and Jack LaLanne. Jack LaLanne LaLanne is a fitness guru, right? Who, uh, who like worked out till he died. And I love that idea. (laughs) I uh, I actually should know at the top of my head, since I talk about him, what age he died at. But he he was very fit until uh, late years, right? So he was a great example of never being finished. And I remember I was getting some uh, training in leadership and workshop stuff. And I watched this guy who was well beyond me fail miserably at something that should be basic and well handled by that point. And then, uh, and then I noticed in some of my own stuff, things that I had developed uh, very well at some point would come unraveled later. I'd start to take them for granted. And I realized, Oh, I'll never be done. I'll never be done working on myself until I die. And that's a great way to live. Cause you, you sort of give up being finished, getting to a destination, that kind of thing. And you embrace kind of the growth along the way and the, the, process of the journey itself, it's super liberating to let go of that. But before then, I had always kind of had this background fantasy, wasn't always conscious, but that like I would reach a some finished, evolved, super glowing state. Maybe I'd levitate like the... (laughs) I'd glow and levitate and then I would be unconcerned with basic things like uh, success and love and abundance and, you know, (laughs) like I would just... And I let all that go, and it was super empowering. And I think that is the the thing that, as a leader, you got to consider that these ways, right? You could call them your strengths. Your they're useful. You you just don't want to be limited by them. So the yeah. fact that I was um, smart and articulate and uh, occasionally funny helped me. But it wasn't enough to really give me a fulfilling life. But I'm not going to give them up and stop doing that, like never speak again or whatever. I'm going to use those things forever, but there's something else then. So I got to go and explore and I got to work on uh, what are the other areas. And then if I know what the weaknesses are, the things that I'm uncomfortable with, how could I let those go, give them away, delegate them, uh, acknowledge them, work around them, uh, create systems for for them right so those are the that's the evolution of all that and then I just have to stay in the game on a regular basis again it's like look in the mirror look am I honestly ready for today or for the next meeting or phone call or whatever and if I'm not what's missing
2: yeah yeah boy I totally see how this all starts with the, the first one the failure to look in the mirror I get it everything yeah, else falls everywhere. out of yeah. that yeah. Right. That's for
0: sure the umbrella. But then it's helpful to have some I mean you could really stop the list right there. There's only one thing that you need to do, but it's great to have some specific things to look at that we do on a regular basis, right? Like number 7 is not enough work on the culture. So, yeah. Th- this is that the you don't really have core values alive and in practice. They're hardly in uh in use and uh and and we can see this in a company where we walk around and the leader, uh, leaders of the company say, this is what we're all about. When you look around, it looks completely different. And leaders are spending all their time and energy answering small questions from people all the time. When you've got a culture that's built around the values and the purpose um, and that reinforces and supports that big, hairy, audacious goal, then you don't have to work as hard. The, the whole environment, Starts to create that, and the interesting thing about culture is that the root is cult. (laughs) And I think you should build a cult. (laughs) Yeah. And and but like not not the the weird cult that makes you
2: scary one separate from
0: the world and you know, drink poison and give up all your goods and that kind of thing. But a good cult, right? So, I mean, all cultures and the things that we cherish, like you think about whatever tradition, whatever culture that you come from, there are traditions that reinforce values over time, like family, like community, um, like giving, like honesty. These are present in our various uh, social, ethnic, and religious cultures. But you could create a, uh, a thoughtful, um, value-centered culture for your business and then create little traditions and reinforcements around that. If you did that, then you could actually teach people to think and make decisions based on those values, and you wouldn't have to answer and make decisions on all the minutiae that probably fill your day to day.
2: Do you think CEOs really know what their values are when it comes to where they're taking their company?
0: Well, the good ones do, right? Um, yeah. People that have studied values in the way that we mean them, company values, they don't put up words like uh, integrity, teamwork, communication, innovation, <laughs> right? These are generic um, words that are almost table stakes uh, for yeah. most companies. They instead look for the creative, evocative, rich words like, uh, like our, our, ours are good examples, right? Courageous authenticity, creating yeah. his living, think and ask why. These create a picture of stuff. And there are lots of examples. Like you look at some of our success stories, Rackspace, right? These guys had a rich set of values that they used and, and fanatical support uh, was at the top of the list and also a brand promise, And this idea of fanatical then gets enshrined in their culture. And instead of having employee of the month, they have fanatic of the month. They put that person in a straight jacket, right? The the jacket for (laughs) crazy people and they wrap your arms around it. So, and then they take your picture and they put that on the wall, right? That really reinforces something with play and humor and ritual and uniqueness. So doing the work now though the approach that we take with companies is it comes from um, Jim Collins work um, and the exercise that is typically used is mission to Mars and where you think about what are the attributes of your best people. If you're an early stage company or even a startup, the way to do that is to think about who would you love to hire um, in this company and who would you never want to hire? And if you take a bunch of those folks and you take the opposites of who you'd never want to hire and you throw all those words together, their attributes, not the names of the people, but the characteristics and qualities yeah. of them that would have you, then you can actually create a rich set of values, right? And we recommend five, uh, somewhere between uh, four and six is the absolute max that are <laughs> people just can't remember them, right? And then you can use- right. You can use symbols and imagery, you can use descriptions and slogans, but rich evocative language, then you can teach people how to operate consistent with them. You can build little touches and traditions. Uh, One of the companies we worked with had a trophy that moved around the office based on the leading value that they had. And when you hit this one, then you got the trophy. And then the next person that hit this in a particular way Then they got the trophy and it sat on their desk. And others have built various things in to reinforce those. You could do it at onboarding, you could do it in recurring training, you can touch on them at all your meetings. You know, what are the different things that you do? You think about um, ancient cultures, and there's a rich set of things. Like, first of all, you have to teach them, you teach them. Uh, to your kids you teach them to your employees you teach them when they come in you teach them on a regular basis you got to talk about them inside and outside the company you have to think about them you have to keep them in front of yourself visible uh to yourself some of these uh practices have kept um ethnic and and uh religious cultures alive for thousands of years right these regular practices i so
2: this is so great and and it Part of what I keep picking up from this is that you can feel it. That that culture is something that you experience. It's something palpable. you feel it's not yeah, just yeah. a bunch of words. It, yeah. feel it, yeah.
0: Experience it. It's real. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so you know it's there, but then you also know when it isn't there.
0: Now here's the other clue. Uh I, and I, I had this, here's a, one of our CEOs that failed our process that dropped in. I would say one in five to one in four, somewhere around that, have good intentions. They read the book. They want to do it. We begin the process and then to, to either or both of us decide this isn't going to work out. Um, and so this is an example. This guy says, these are our values. We we do, they start with some values. We hone them, refine them in an offsite with the leadership team. Then I walk around the office. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you, my friend, are a little delusional. (laughs) Those maybe were your values way back in college or just as you exited and started this business. But now 30 years later, that's not the company you have. And what you aren't uh, aware of and aren't addressing is the fact that you've built A production house that is all about uh, low-cost volume production it's expedient everything's dropped here and there with no clear thinking this is not elegant design right is a creative production company right not in remotely and if I just look at you I'm like your hair the way you tuck in your shirt there's nothing elegant or creative about you (laughs) (laughs) So this notion that you're like cutting edge creative, you give it up and embrace who you actually are. There's power in that. There's a need for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. People need that. And that's
0: why you're in business. But if you keep trying to be somewhere you're not, it's a little bit like saying, look, I want to get to LA. So give me the directions from Oakland to LA, except in reality you're in Sacramento. And so the directions wouldn't work and you're going to get wet. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i love that <laughs> oh my gosh and it's not really a surprise that he dropped out of it because he just couldn't see it it sounds like
0: right yeah no he yeah. just he, well he wasn't interested he didn't want to hear yeah. the truth back to number one right
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: So, yeah. so all roads lead back to number one yeah Ugh.
2: yeah wow this is so great. I, I really appreciate this conversation and, and this information. I think it's something that, uh, if if people are not quite at the uh, self awareness stage, they can certainly relate to this uh, being on the receiving end of yeah. some of these mistakes. Let, let, let's say it that way. Um, so, would you please? Tell the listeners um, what you've got going on. We know you can get the book on Audible, but where else can you get it and, and yeah. how they can find you, please?
0: So if you want the physical book, and I know some of us like the physical books still. I, I have like the, the Audible books, the physical books, and the, the books on my iPad so that I can use them in lots. Not every book I get in three modes, but sometimes they do. But if you'd like a physical copy of the book, I'll give you one for free. Um, You can just go to scalingcoach.com, ask for the book. I'll send you a physical book uh, from Scaling Up for free. Uh, Of course, we have public workshops, and I speak at conferences and things like that. We do private work, but I only work with a very, very, like, 10 companies at a time, so I'm not really out to pitch your listeners to be one of our private clients. But you can get the book. You can learn about it. You can – we do a podcast also every week. We'll – uh, talk about this one there as well um, and your listeners, but the um, scalingcoach.com has the free book offer, and of course if if it works for you, come to one of our public workshops and and just spend a day with me doing the work, um, which is a great way to, to dig a little deeper in some of this stuff.
2: Boy, no kidding. Thank you so much, and listeners, uh, take them up on it. it it's uh, a couple of great offers there, and even though he, you know, he's not pitching to work with you, but you can certainly learn a lot more uh, just about this subject, which is so incredibly important. Get the book. Do some, uh, you know, looking in the mirror. It, it's all worthwhile. Uh, and I would like to thank our sponsor as well. Uh, if you would like to get a free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook, uh, just go to audibletrial.com slash to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.